Welcome again. My name is Tony Weeder. We have talked about folk Islam and even some some topics concerning African traditional religions. And we also have discussed the issue of evangelism and discipleship. Talking about the Sufi doctrine and summary, we went through all of that all the way to six, and we stopped on six. Where they're talking about the soul. Uh, the soul existed before the body and is trapped in a cage. So death is desirable as freedom to return to God. I know uh, death for the Christians, yes, is desirable in that you want to, like uh, Paul said in uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, absent from the body, presence of the law. And that's, that's what we believe and that's why we, and we, you know, we hope someday will happen. But all these guidelines we're giving you, what the Sufi believes in, term, in terms of doctrine, it's for you to know as Christians so we will better be able to communicate the gospel without compromising uh, the truth at all. And then seven, in terms of the summary, only by God's grace can someone attain spiritual union with God. But this can be gained by asking or praying for it. That is very close to some of the things that we hold dear as Christians, only by God's grace. Uh, in God's grace, only by Jesus' death. So again, here is a common ground that we can use as Christians to talk and, uh, with the Sufi Muslims, uh, that it is only through the grace of God, uh, by Jesus dying on the cross, and Jesus rising from the grave that we can be saved. It is not by works of righteousness or anything that we have done. So we have to be clear about that. But it is really interesting that they're talking about only by God's grace can someone obtain spiritual union with God. In fact, in Ephesians, uh, Paul is just talking about our oneness with God. Again, reading the scripture, comparing with the Sufi doctrine or the summary of that doctrine, it's just really interesting. And something I, we see there also, number eight, the main occupation of a Sufi while in the body is meditation on the unity of God, remembrance of God's names uh, in prayers, and thus progressive advance in the joining of life to attain unification with God. So the whole thing about Sufi Islam is meditation. Um, again, you go back to the time 610 A.D. when Prophet Muhammad was still living. He was up in the cave. Uh, why in the cave? According to the Quran, that's the time Gabriel came and spoke to him. Today, when you, you are in Ethiopia, you see men and women, especially holy men and women, so-called, uh, up in the mountains, or up on a hill, uh, praying and meditating. Uh, something we could learn from them as Christians in terms of meditation and just slow down. I think there's a great American idiom that I really love. You slow down and smell the coffee. That if we could do that as Christians to just really slow down and meditate on what we have read and study. But here are people who have no assurance of salvation. Uh, we have no means of ever being saved. Who don't even know who God is. And here they are. They are meditating in a progressive advance, man, in a journey. Uh, let me go over that again. It's a remembrance of God's names. And we'll go back again to folk Islam. You remember that? Where the rosary, and they use the rosary to go over and over in terms of the 99 names of Allah. 
and trying to memorize that and meditate on that. The Sufi journey. Sufis have likened life to a journey and the seeker after God to a traveler. I like that. I like that analogy for us here. Sufis have likened life as a journey. And life seems like that. It's a journey. But journey with who? And we'll see that as we study. And then the seeker after God to a traveler. So and many times these people literally travel. When you go back to the 7th, 8th, and even 9th century, most of them, the, the, the holy men that took uh, Islam to West Africa, be it Nigeria, Cameroon, uh, Guinea, uh, Senegal, Gambia, Togo, uh, these places were Sufi holy men and other Muslims holy men who went around uh, traveling through trade. Uh, but uh, that's how they spread their religion all around uh, that part of the continent. Um, what is the goal in this journey? It's the goal the traveler strives to gain perfect knowledge. That is really interesting. Perfect. The knowledge has to be perfect. Uh, some of the Arabic words, uh, I'm not going to bore you to death by trying to pronounce it, but they are there and you can see them on the screen. Uh, of God as for them, the soul is in exile from its creator in the period of this human life and thus they seek stage by stage to reach the goal of perfect union with God. I love the analogy. They're empty. Going back again to the analogy of hunger, you know, the soul, they go from stage to stage, trying to reach their goal, perfect union with God. It's a long journey. And some of these people spend months and years uh, up in the cave. And some of those things are still going, especially once uh, uh, the Somalis or Somalia was peaceful. Those are areas. These nomads go out and they will be there for months or so meditating, trying to be one with God. Iran is one of the center of uh, Sufi Islam. Uh, some part of uh, 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 Kuwait and Yemen, up in the mountains, the desert. Um, another place where this meditation takes place would be Afghanistan, where at mountains, they just go up in the cave and stay there for meditation, trying to be one with God. Yeah, like I was saying, the traveler strives to gain perfect knowledge of God as for them. The soul is in exile. And, you know, I've been talking about exile. Uh, I told you about the war that we went through. Uh, when your soul is in exile, just give a quick, a quick example. You don't understand the language. The food is not good. The people are strange. Uh, everywhere you go, you don't know the city. You don't know the town. You don't know the people. You are a stranger, a complete stranger. So for the Sufi Muslim, the soul is a stranger in this world. And so the desire becomes to know the knowledge of God and remove that soul closer to the creator. And it's a period from stage to stage to reach the goal of perfect union with God. Uh, what, that's, that's beautiful. And we can use that in our teaching with understanding of that, always as a culture, as Christians, we have to know this thing, read the culture, read their books, read their materials, because when we do that, then we understand how we can apply the scripture to their teaching, how different it is. All right. The Sufis journey. Different stages 
on the journey have been described by Sufi writers. Let's go through that. The first, uh, the first or lowest form of spiritual existing is the natural state of every person, humanity, in which they must follow the law, that is Sharia and religious uh, rights. That is, okay, we're going back again, bear with me. Be it the Shahada, uh, I believe that there's no God, but Allah and his prophet Muhammad, these are the things they meditate on. They have to pray five times a day. And it is not just like uh, an orthodox Muslim praying five times a day. It has to do with lots of meditation, uh, lots of meditation to go from place, verse to verse of the Quran. They memorize a huge portion of the Quran. And then talk about alms giving. They give alms because they believe by doing that, they are becoming one with God, and not just that pilgrimage to Mecca. And when they do that, they believe that when they get to Mecca, again, they never, they never arrive at the top, but they are always, always trying. And then above all, Sharia law, because it's almost like bringing God's rule on this earth to obey every letter as Prophet Muhammad prescribed it in the Quran. And I just wish them good luck if they can ever do that. If in this stage a person begins using his mind to seek the true nature of God, he is called Talib or searcher after God. The mind, again coming back to the New Age movement, a great book, uh, book to read would be Confronting the New Age, again by Dr. Groteich. And that is, you see, Hollywood uh, actors are now part of that, but they are using the mind and through yoga. And some nominal Christians in the West are also getting into that, I've, I see, I've seen. And Christians who are into yoga, I don't know what that means, but they use the exercise to develop the mind, work the mind, and by there, thereby trying to search for God. Another step in the different stages comes uh, when he goes further or when she goes further, shows himself ready to seek according to the system of a Sufi order, Taraki, and then he is called Muri, or one who lead or leans toward God. So the different stages, everything is for the purpose of being one with God. Just keep that in mind. Everything that they are doing is to climb higher and higher with God. He puts himself under the direction of a spiritual leader of the group and becomes a salek uh, or traveler on the journey to seek knowledge of a union with God. So again, you remember in one of the lectures we talk about discipleship. Uh, we came on this one a little bit. Um, um, as a disciple, he finds himself a group or a master where, he's, where he becomes a traveler. In fact, in West Africa, they go from place to place. The word in, in some of the West African dialects is Kamon, master. Or in Senegal, he's considered your marabou, uh, where uh, you actually wear his picture around your chest. And wherever you go, you get money, you get food, you make money for them in order to satisfy your master. Uh, wherever he goes, you are there. What he does, you do it. In, uh, if you remember the young sheikh of Ira uh, Iraq, uh, uh, Sarah, he has following 
thousands of people that follow him, uh, but his, his, his mentors are in Iran. He goes there, spend months there in the holy city of Qam, where he's trained uh, to meditate, to teach, and what have you. In fact, there's a place in Ethiopia called Hara, the eastern part of Ethiopia, where people just sit there and pray and meditate. They have their masters. So uh, it is not like uh, here in the West where uh, what we're doing in this class now, after two years, you get a degree. After three years, you get a degree. As long as your master is living, you follow your master. Wherever he goes, you go. He sits, you sit. He stands, you stand. He travels, you travel. If he's sleeping in the cave, you sleep with him. These are the things that the, uh, the traveler would do in order to gain knowledge from his master. And something, they said, a traveler on the journey to seek knowledge of a union with God. So because as you are with the master, you're learning to meditate. As you are with your master, you are learning to seek God. As you follow the master footsteps, you are also learning what he's teaching you. And so hoping and praying, you see, there's no assurance being in Orthodox Islam or Sufi Islam or folk Islam. There's no assurance of salvation. So you are hoping, you are just hoping for the best. Hope in hope. Oh boy, can you imagine living like that? I know people, when I was in Ethiopia, I saw some Sufi people, whole day they're just sitting with the rosary in hand, just pulling it one by one, one by one, repeating the name of God, hoping and praying that someday they will be one with God. You never actually arrived. You're always hoping. Maybe it will just click someday. The next one, uh, in terms of the different stages, this person is on the first stage of the journey called Abudhya, or service. I prefer that. <laughs> service is exalted to worship or serve God. So service. All these phrases, keep an eye, ear, learn them. Uh, hopefully memorize them, get to know, because uh, it's an icebreaker or somewhere you can talk to somebody, a conversation starter. Say, so, okay, you are in a service. What stage are you on down? Are you on this stage uh, where you are in the service, exhorted to worship or serve God? Hmm. So as they follow their master, they are learning all of this. They're going from place to place, village to village. In fact, some part of Ethiopia, when we live there as missionaries, these holy men travel. And when they travel, many times uh, they walk. Other times they are in uh, uh, cars and what have you. But whatever village they get to, they are fed. They are taken care of by their disciples. Their bags are carried by people. And again, it becomes very animistic and also syncretistic. These Sufi Muslims also become holy men who like, and, and people will go to them for guidance. Uh, uh, when, uh, my wife, can I get pregnant? Can you help her? Or we are having problems with our marriage. Can you help them? And these men also officiate weddings uh, as they travel from village to village. All right, this person is, uh, this, going over that again, sorry. This person is on the first stage of the journey. What's the first stage? Service. And from service to worship. And then B. So the second stage is that of the angels, Mulaku, who follow a pathway of purity. 
in Islam or Orthodox Islam, there's a belief that there's one angel sitting on your left hand who keeps all the bad record of your deeds, and there's one sitting on your right who keeps all the record of your good deeds. But in this context, I don't know what it means, but what, it, uh, what I uh, uh, can analyze here is that these angels now help you to purify you in order to become one with God. When God answers the seeker's fervent prayers and turns his learning toward God into love for God, he has reached the stage of love of God. Hmm. Now, do we do that as Christians? As we study Sufi Islam, it, it, it is actually convicting for me at times as a Christian. How many times do I take time to actually seek after God? Like these people, leaning toward God in love. You remember First John? We love him because he first loved us. And this is where I think the weaknesses of the very church that we are teaching these materials to, there where you come. Our prayer life is not adequate. Um, when I first came to this country, or America, when I came to America, I found out that when the only time Americ American Christians, when they fast, they fast from 12 midnight to 6 a.m. And I noticed that. And so <laughs> fasting is not part of that religious thing. And I'm not saying that we become legalistic with this. But just look at these people. Just take some time. And see these are people who are without Christ. These are people who have no hope, no salvation. But look, the struggle they are going through trying to learn. I mean, they're using love for God. He has reached a stage on love of God. So let's just keep that in mind. Then as the divine love pushes out all worldly desires from his heart, it leads him to the stage of what he calls seclusion or retreat from the world. Can we ever arrived at that point where they spend all their time in terms of seclusion, re retreat from the world? Uh, uh, again, all these points we are giving you as students and someday as teachers, for you to know them and for you to know and understand these stages to see how best you can communicate the gospel to them. Seclusion. Why is that? You see, when Jesus was leaving or when Jesus prayed in John 17, he said, I'm praying that you will not take them from, they are not of the world. But I want for you to protect them while they are in the world. And this is where we cannot you know, leave the world or separate ourselves from the world, but we are in the world, not of it. And so that part we should keep in, in, in mind as we study Sufi Islam and some of the things they believe. Okay, the third one under that in terms of the different stages is in this stage, yeah, he spends his whole time investigating, meditating on the nature, attributes, works of God, thus reaching uh, the knowledge of God. Let's come on that a little bit and see. Look at it. Let's analyze it. He spent all the time investigating how many times do we take time to actually investigate what we have read in Scripture? And then meditating on the nature and attributes and works of God, thus reaching the knowledge of God. 
we can use this part of Sufi, uh, the stages of Sufism to actually pawn home the gospel. I can meet my Sufi friend, uh, boy or girl, it helped me investigate, helped me meditate. Talk about the nature of God, trying to compare the nature of Allah with the nature of, uh, of the God of the Bible or the attributes. Uh, like I said, it is truly convicting as you study these points of stages of Sufi Islam, things that they go through to do. And these people are committed to it. I mean, there's a course I taught in Ethiopia where we talk about reformist Islam. Yeah, the jihad of the pen. There are many, many jihads. It's not just violence, but there's jihad of the pen where these people are writing as they search and investigate on the attributes of God. They are writing, they are preaching, they are teaching, uh, and now that that knowledge of God, they are passing it and translating from Arabic to the local dialects. And so we as Christians really need to be forceful in these things as we go uh, to witness to these people because they know and understand their materials.